Hey, it's Alan Carter. Here's what's on the podcast today. Open it up or keep it shut down. It is a letter to you, Dofo, from some major retailers in Ontario. Camille Caramali is with us, and we are going to discuss Elliot Page. Why is it so important? Why do we need to pay attention, especially in this province? Let's get to it. Want to go shopping. I want to go shopping. I want to go to the mall. I want to go to the Walmart. I got to get to the Best Buy. I got things to buy. I want to shop. I do. I want to go shopping. And I can't. I can't because I live in a gray zone. I mean, I feel gray. I look gray. My pallor is terrible. But I actually live in a lockdown zone. Here I am living in Toronto. And all those people living in PO. We all want to shop. We do. We want to go shopping. And now, the people that operate those beautiful big box stores, those delightful retail outlets that we so much love and enjoy, they have sent a message to Dofo. It's a message to you, Doug Ford. Yeah, message to you, Doug Ford. Thank you. Thank you for throwing it back to the sky days. Uh, and that is exactly what has happened. I'm going to break into that, tell you what that message is and what it is that those big retailers, the CEOs, the presidents are asking Doug Ford to do because they know we all want to go shopping. And where are we ending up? We're on our way to Von Mills. Let's all go together. I mean, socially distant, and then we'll line up. But but nevertheless, it's all of us all crammed into these malls, into the areas that aren't in lockdown, that aren't in the gray area. Man, you need to get some sun. You look terrible. You're gray. I want to go shopping. You know what I did this week? I spent like 35 minutes in a bird store, a building store. That's what, <laughs> no kidding. Can you believe this? I, in the gray zone, not far from where I work here, there is a store that it, what it does is it sells nothing but birding, birding accessories. You got your feeders, you've got your binoculars, you got your books to identify the birds. And you, and I said to the guy, I said, how is it you're possibly open? Why am I doing, what am I doing in your store? I mean, I know we both have masks on, but what am I doing in here? And he points over to the bird feed and says, right there, I am essential. Yeah, I'm essential. So I ask you that question because is that essential? Is that gentleman essential? Should he be open to sell me a bird feeder? Well, now he's a small guy and probably he should be open. But can you go down the street and go and buy bird feed at the Walmart? Yeah, you can. Doesn't all add up. Let's get to those numbers, shall we? I feel essential. I don't know about how you how you feel. Are you essential? Here are the numbers: seventeen twenty-three. Uh, and sadly, 35 deaths in the last 24 hours from COVID-19 in the province of Ontario. 44,000 tests. Your hospitalizations are up 11. ICUs are down too. I always caution people when you see the ICU numbers going down that that is not necessarily a good thing. We don't necessarily know why that's gone down. Look at the death numbers, 35 in the last 24 hours. 
you would hope that the ICU numbers are down because people are getting better, but we don't know that. We don't. What we do know is that Peel had 500 cases, Toronto had 410 cases, York Region, which is not locked down, but of course is adjacent to those two areas that are locked down, 196. So let's get to that letter to you, Dofo. Can we hit it again? Specials. The letter to you, Doug Ford. Yeah. Here it is, a letter to you, Doug Ford, from some of the major retailers in this province, asking Doug Ford that you move immediately, and I'm quoting here, to open all retail in Ontario and impose a 25% capacity limit on non-essential retail and lockdown regions, just as several other provinces have done with guidance and support from public health officials. This will put fewer people in more stores, increasing safety for all the current policy does the opposite. And there's some pretty big names, some pretty big organizations on this list. Camille Caramali is our global news reporter. A message to you, Camille Caramali. Here you are. Uh, who's on this uh, list uh, with this letter to Doug Ford? First of all, I'm going to start a letter to you, and I'm sure I'm going to have a lot of signatures on it. Do not sing. Alan Carter, please. Uh, I, I feel like our viewers have already written a letter similar to that. I'm signing it. Um, you know, we want our listeners to stay on board with Global News Radio, so please don't do that. Um, <laughs> lots of names on this uh, on this letter to Doug Ford. I'm actually outside Hudson Bay, which is uh, one of the signatories on that letter. Uh, and it's a pretty big store, and there's so many big names on it, uh, 47 to be exact. But that also includes Staples, Indigo, Aldo, Old Navy, IKEA Canada. So uh, these are big stores that hire a lot of people, dozens if not hundreds throughout the city, throughout Toronto and Peel. And uh, they have to close their doors or their storefronts at least. And uh, they're saying, look, these people, their customers, they're still out, they're still consuming these goods and products they're just going to neighboring regions and then on top of that uh you know they're also going to these stores that have been deemed essential but they're they're flooding in there so really what is it doing closing these non-essential stores uh when there are go when these people are going in bulk to other stores and sort of uh clogging up those uh essential retailers and then just possibly spreading the virus. So they have some health concerns as well, and that's their counter-argument. So that's what they're arguing. And I can hear, hear, here's my prediction. This is my prediction already, because uh, the DOFO show today, by the way, is at 1.30. It has been pushed back a half an hour from its regular time slot at 1 o'clock. The DOFO show, FO show with DOFO today. DOFO was not there yesterday. DOFO will be there today. Doug Ford will be asked about it. He will say the following, Camille Carmali. He will say, it breaks my heart. Uh, it's horrible. I wish I didn't have to do it. But I'm acting on the advice of public health officials. Over to you, Minister of Health. Uh, and away we go. And, and that'll be the end of that. Yeah, and we hear it time and time again. I don't know about you, but as reporters, and you know, we talk about it in the newsroom, uh, different ways of asking questions so that we don't get the 
common answers, the the repeat answers. Uh, it just sounds heart. like a broken record. Uh, and so we're, we're going to hear that same answer again. Um, you know, the pessimist uh, in me is thinking nothing will change and we won't get a really a firm answer uh, from Doug Ford. As a journalist, you obviously like to see um, a real answer, but we haven't been getting that from any of the talking heads at these press conferences anymore. Um, so aside from any new bombshells coming in, uh, once again, these, these things turn into a broken record, don't they? Yeah, they do. And here's, here's what really strikes me, Camille, about this, is that, what do I go back maybe a week, two weeks ago, uh, and what were we talking about? You know, what was the story that you were assigned pretty much each and every day? Go and talk to the Greek chorus of medical uh, experts who are not on the provincial health table, who are not part of the provincial mandated team, and their complaints about, hey, Doug Ford is listening too much to private enterprise and not enough to public health. And then we move into this lockdown situation where we close retail, and what are we covering now? The other side of the story, and now these exhortations from retail to say, no, no, you've gone too far now to public health, now you need to come back towards economic health. Yeah, absolutely, and, you know, we we do go back and forth, but uh, the... We, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. I think that's the saying, right? And so when one side closes down, the other side, uh, well, that side, you know, gets very loud. And then the vice versa happens when the economy opens up and the virus starts spreading. Then the health officials and the health experts, they start getting extremely loud. So we go and start talking to them. It's been a bit of a seesaw, hasn't it? Just seeing this back and forth. And I did interview uh, an economist, Eric Cam. Uh, who's a professor at Ryerson University. And yeah, obviously he's all for uh, what this coalition is proposing, saying that, look, you are, you're trying to curb uh, shoppers and consumers from going out and going to storefronts. That's not going to happen. And so he's absolutely convinced that, look, they're just going to keep going elsewhere. There's, there's literal science and numbers behind that. So why not try to keep them apart in stores, in these non-essential businesses? And he may have a point. Um, are you, are you thinking about shopping? Can I put you on, on the spot here? Have you done any in-person shopping? You're doing your, all your shopping online or are you just not, you're just not giving any gifts for the holidays? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm a Grinch. You know that. Uh, <laughs> I, I give coals for Christmas. No, uh, you know what? Most, most of my family, are you asking for yourself, Alan? Is yeah, that, no, is I that, am. Uh, I'm, I have a wish list. So, right. uh, get yeah. ready for that. Uh, so speaking of coals, no, I, <laughs> I have most of my family and, and loved ones aside from you, obviously are outside <laughs> of Toronto. A lot are in Vancouver. So I got this, uh, beautiful option of just saying, well, I'm just going to order something from Amazon or, or a small business uh, in Vancouver and then just send it off to uh, to my family and friends out there. And so I will be shopping online. What about you? What are you how are you going to handle this? Because I, you know I, a lot of people. You're very popular. In well, Toronto. I am. I am. And you know, I like to, sh- I like to uh, spread the love around, uh, as you know. Uh, so I like to, so, to give big. Um, so, what, uh, so speaking of getting big presents, what are you getting me then? Well, uh, I think I might go back to this bird superstore down the street that I was talking about. <laughs> I think I think you could probably use some kind of birding equ- oh, equipment. Gosh, my father's <laughs> gonna love that. Oh man! <laughs> All right, all right. It was a message to you, Camille oh. Caramali. Can we get that one more time. Can we? I accident. Yeah. Can we get back to the uh, the '80s music as we play uh, Camille out. 
Specials, a.k.a. with a message to Camille. Thanks for being on the program, Camille. Looking forward to your story on Global News tonight at 5.30. Always a pleasure, Alex. <laughs> okay. A message to Doug Ford from major retailers. I just noticed this just popped up from the CDC in the United States. The CDC, the Center for Disease Control, has officially announced new guidance now on quarantine periods. It says that quarantine can now end after 10 days without a test if a person has reported no symptoms. Quarantine can end after seven days with a negative test and no symptoms. The CDC says it hopes this will actually increase compliance to quarantines by reducing the number of days and reducing the economic burden for people who need to get back to work. And that is now being studied in Canada as well. Interesting to see that. I believe the UK has looked at that as well. I believe implemented it as well as shorter quarantine period, saying the 14 days is not required, that 10 is enough even without a test. Wait a second. Isn't the pandemic done? Isn't it all over? It's finished, right? Like that, that thing is in the past. The pandemic is over. We've, we're, we've moved past it. Now, you may, you may wonder where I got that idea. You know where I got that idea? I looked at the stock market. I looked at the economic indicators. And it appears that the market thinks it's all done, finished, done, forget about it. It's over. The S&P 500 notching its best week rally since 1932. That was over the election week. That's going back in early in November. Uh, you know, this, you know, after the president, President Trump said that a Biden win would, you know, make the stock market crash. That did not happen. Uh, Despite the fact that there was a bit of a pullback earlier this week, the Dow has soared nearly 12% in November. That is its best month since January 1987. The S&P 500 and the NASDAQ enjoying their best month since April. Obviously, you have to take that into perspective because we are rebounding from an unprecedented time. It's like saying, you know, it's like the federal government taking credit for, look, look at all the jobs we created. Well, jobs are create, being created or at least coming back, you know, at a big clip. We're not back to where we were, but you can't exactly take credit for jobs coming back when you saw the spike in unemployment that we saw earlier in the spring. But nevertheless, That's the story on the stock market. Now, meanwhile, Airbnb said on Tuesday that it's aiming for a valuation of almost $35 billion in its initial public offering in what would cap a stunning recovery in the fortunes of Airbnb. Obviously, the stock just took an absolute hammering when the pandemic hit earlier. And in fact... They had to go to some emergency funding. They furloughed a big chunk of their staff. But now here they're on the verge of a massive IPO, and investors just are chomping at the bit. Why? Because we have this vaccine news, and we feel like we have the light at the end of the tunnel, and so the market is already building in all of this valuation, and we're getting the stock market going to... Up here to, to places it wasn't even at prior to the pandemic. This from Bloomberg today. The end of the COVID-19 crisis may be in sight for Canada's biggest banks. 
Profit declines are slowing. Investors are already looking ahead to the return to growth. Profits are still down from last year. But investors no longer fear that the coronavirus recession will result in sustained financial crisis. And they're concerned the banks, they're confident rather, that the banks are ready to absorb it all, all the potential uh, loan defaults from possibly from business and from individuals declaring bankruptcy. That's a big thing that's in the pipeline. But investors are saying, "Ah, it's not a big deal anymore. So here, pardon me. From the uh, Globe and Mail, I find this really fascinating. You know, you talk about the pandemic um, and the pandemic as something that happened last month. I think the big when when we write the history of the pandemic, you know what we're we're not going to even really talk a ton about what has happened while the pandemic pandemic was underway. The the real story is what is to come, the fallout down the road. And already we can see that the predictions about what the pandemic was going to do have in many ways proven to be not correct. For example, if you take a look at what economists said back in March and what the reality is, and I take this from a recent Globe and Mail article, here's a prediction that was made when the pandemic began, that real estate sales and prices will drop. The reality is that real estate is stronger than ever. There was a prediction back in March that we would have a significantly weaker Canadian dollar. The reality is the loonie took a hit. Yeah, it dropped hard, but it has made a full recovery. It's back to where it was, 77 cents around there um, in terms of relation to the U.S. dollar. There was a prediction that the GDP would absolutely plunge. That was the prediction back in May. The reality is that GDP did plunge, but it has recovered pretty quickly, I think faster than, certainly faster than the more dire predictions. And there was a prediction that equity markets would take years to recover. Well, I talked about equity markets, and the markets only took months to recover, and now we're booming away, even though the pandemic is not done, even though we haven't really got... Uh, you know, vaccines, I know, understand the, the U.K. information, and if you, you've heard that, it sounds like, you know, needles will be in arms in the U.K. pretty quickly, a lot faster than they will be here in Canada or in the United States, it appears. But nevertheless, the equity markets have already recovered and are off to the races. Another prediction that happened back in the beginning of the pandemic, that housing starts would plummet, and the reality is housing starts are thriving. So some of the economic predictions that we had at the beginning of the pandemic certainly did not turn out to be quite what were was predicted. And, of course, when you look at that, then you think, well, wait a minute, what about the predictions that we're making right now? Why would I believe that would they would be as accurate or more accurate, pardon me, than they were at the beginning of the pandemic? And I don't think we even really still know the true trajectory here, because it is quite possible that we might be seeing right now a little bit of the, you know, irrational exuberance, as the former Fed chair used to say, famously once said. We have all of this uh, monetary easing by federal banks right around the world, and now as we get the vaccine and we start to see a return to normalty, normalcy, pardon me, what we what we're going to see is just gangbusters, and then you got to wonder to yourself, like, is there a correction to that? It's the kind of thing that keeps me up at night. A lot of things keep me up at night. 
When we come back here on the Alan Carter Radio Program, uh, I want to ask you your opinion on what is our major story of the day today, which is that retailers, big box retailers, major retailers, the Bay, Canadian Tire, so on and so forth, have sent a letter to Doug Ford saying, Mr. Premier, this makes no sense to close down retail in lockdown areas because all it does is send people to adjacent areas and they jam up all the stores, and that creates a public health risk. And therefore, immediately all retail should be allowed to open in the lockdown areas, provided that it is with strict control guidelines and real limits on the number of people that it would be allowed in, all the rest, all of those pro- protocols. Some of the news that uh, made news, made some headlines yesterday that you might not have seen is Elliot Page. Halifax's own Hollywood star has shared that he is transgender. The actor, known for his Oscar-nominated role in Juno, as well as Inception, and most recently, The Umbrella Academy. Uh, Elliot Page addressed his social media followers on Tuesday in a lengthy Instagram post, and I want to read some of it to you because I think it is absolutely vital to understand And to listen, I won't read it all, but I will read this portion. This is from Elliot Page. I also ask for patience. My joy is real, but it is also fragile. The truth is, despite feeling profoundly happy right now and knowing how much privilege I carry, I am also scared. I'm scared of the invasiveness, the hate, the jokes, and the violence. To be clear, I am not trying to dampen a moment that is joyous and one that I celebrate, but I want to address the full picture. The statistics are staggering. The discrimination towards trans people is rife, insidious, and cruel, resulting in horrific consequences. Elliot Page goes on to write, I love that I am trans. I love that I am queer. And the more I hold myself close and fully embrace who I am, the more I dream, the more my heart grows, the more I thrive. As the Instagram post from Elliot Page, sharing that he is transgender. From GLAD, which is, as you might know, the uh, formerly the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, Nick Adams, GLAD's director of transgender media, writing, quote, He will now be an inspiration to countless trans and non-binary people. All transgender people deserve the chance to be ourselves and to be accepted for who we are. We celebrate the remarkable Elliot Page today. From Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, Thank you, Elliot, for sharing these words and for speaking your truth. Your bravery and strength are inspiring. Your authenticity and vulnerability will mean so much to so many. Sophie and I wish for you the very best, and we send you and the trans community all our support. From Andrea Horvath, the leader of the Ontario NDP. Elliot, thank you so much for your courage and vulnerability. And you're absolutely right. Is our duty as politicians to protect the humanity and joy of all trans folks. Now, perhaps when you hear those statements and tweets from 
the Prime Minister and from the leader of the Ontario NDP, you may think, well, that is nothing more than virtue signaling from progressive politicians. And perhaps, you know, you, you might look at it that way. And I think we all should take a big grain of salt with anything a politician says of any political stripe about anything. I mean, it just goes without saying. But I think we need to ask ourselves, what does it mean to the trans community? What does it mean to the transgender community in Toronto? Savannah Burton is a transgender performer and an athlete. And she spoke with The Morning Show earlier today. I think it's a, a really important uh, thing to happen. Like, Elliot Page has the certainly the highest profile of any Canadian actor to come out as transgender. Oscar-nominated for the role in Juno. Movies under their belt like the X-Men movies, Flatliners. It's something that has an extremely high profile, and, and this can only lead to good things. And you may be thinking a little bit about Caitlyn Jenner and thinking, well, wait a minute, didn't we just, didn't, didn't we do this? What is, how is this different than Caitlyn Jenner? Well, I think it's different in a bunch of different ways, a bunch of different ways. And, and perhaps I just bring my own baggage to the conversation, but I, I think for a lot of people share the same um, opinion about Caitlyn Jenner. Jen, just, th- just because of the family that, that Caitlyn Jenner is a part of the Kardashians, uh, and how they, you know, share everything and, and everything is a sort of a social media post designed to further, um, the interests of that family. I, I think in some ways, and not to take away from what Caitlyn Jenner, uh, did is the first trans, uh, person, just real, uh, trailblazer in, in the number of different things that Caitlyn Jenner did first. I think that what, what went along with that is a perception and maybe just a perception in the straight community, but I believe it is also within the trans community as well that that somehow it was taken away from because there was a there there was a, almost a a belief that well you know yes you're your true and authentic self but perhaps your motivation for being so public might come from something that is about self promotion and here Savannah talks about Elliot Page versus Caitlyn Jenner. I definitely wasn't 100% surprised with it. Like, Elliot has been such an uh, incredible activist for the LGBTQ community and with a very high profile. Like, they seem very knowledgeable about the issues that are happening, unlike, say, Caitlyn Jenner a few years ago. I think it's really, uh, I think Elliot Page is going to do a lot of really important activism work over the next, uh, over the next while. That is Savannah Burton talking about Elliot Page. And I will sum up this way. If you too celebrate Elliot Page, if you too believe that trans members of our community deserve to be seen, to be celebrated, to be protected, then how can we live in a province where we're going to celebrate Charles McVitie? <laughs> I know you. Like, I, I knew you. I knew you wouldn't get through an hour, Alan Carter, without talking about Charles McVitie. Charles McVitie, of course, is the evangelical Christian leader in this province, friend and ally of Doug Ford, 
And Charles McVitie is the president of the Canada Christian College, and the provincial government has introduced a bill that would allow Canada Christian College to hand out degrees. And Charles McVitie is transphobic. And I'll leave it there. I want to say thank you to Elliot Page. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for being a trailblazer. That is it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget the Alan Carter Show is live weekdays starting at noon.